You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Before I get into my message, I want to give you a, a really a, an exciting update for our giving campaign. As many of you know, we've been in a giving campaign called God's House, Our Home, and we've been uh, basically setting aside funds above and beyond our tithe and our offering into what we call the house fund. And we're doing this simply because we're believing for a building in a space of our own. And so Global Ventures, our missions partner, they've been so generous in letting us lease this space. But as we've been here for several months, we're continuing to see more and more people come more families come, more kids come for our kids' ministry. And so we are, we're, we're really outgrowing this space, and we're feeling some tension. And that's why even for our Christmas service, like I said, we're going to do a couple services just to make room for increase. But as we've been doing this, we said, Lord, what's our part to play in this season while we're believing and while we're looking for properties and things? And so we set out a goal. At the beginning of September, we had $67,000 in our house fund. Our goal is to get to $100,000. You can put that next slide up there. We said we want to get to $100,000 by the end end of 2023. And so we knew it was a faith-filled goal, especially for a church our size. We're like, hey, it's going to take a little bit of sacrifice to get there. But I want to give you uh, an update where we're at so far as we come into the final month of this stretch. And so uh, if we will, how about we have a little fun with it? Huh? Just do a little drum roll right there at your seat. The new total is, go ahead and put it up there, $86,070. Dollars, Praise God. Man, that's uh, incredible. From the beginning of September, how far we've come. And so we're just, we're, we're well on our, our way to get there. So we're coming into the final month. And so as we come into this final month, um, we'll, our goal is by December 30th on that, um, or December 31st, whatever the, that final Sunday in December is, our goal is that we'll have an announcement to make on where we, where we landed. Hopefully we exceed it. And basically we're at the point where many of you have reoccurring gifts set up. And man, that's been so helpful as we plan and prepare for what's next. And, and basically with that final amount, if you break it down, even if, you, if you're not including the um, reoccurring gifts, but if you just say if 50 people choose to give $300 above and beyond their tithe to this fund in this last month, 50 people give $300, we will exceed our goal uh, of $100,000 in our house fund. So, man, it's just, it's so exciting. And so for, for uh, all of you, I want to say thank you for giving, for sacrificing, for going above and beyond your tithe and your offering. You know, when we've been looking for our building, one of the things we've tried to do is try to be intentional with investing or uh, uh, serving other ministries as well. One of those places is here at Global Ventures. Whenever uh, we started leasing this space, we obviously support their missions organization as well and their missions work. And we said, hey, while we are raising money. We, they're also in a, a building campaign for uh, Global Ventures. They have plans and preparations for this building and the building next door that they're doing. And we said, hey, we are going to go above and beyond what we're already giving towards their missions, and we're going to go above and beyond and give towards their building campaign as well. And so we've tried to be intentional with when we're in need, Scripture says we will be refreshed when we refreshed others as well. And so we've said, Lord, we're going to be generous in all that we do so that uh, we're just setting ourselves up for a huge move of God for our church. And so I'm so excited to get into the new year and to see all that God has for us. So stay tuned, continue to give faithfully, pray about it. If you haven't given yet, pray about what God would have you do. Not because because we're uh, trying to convince you to give. Now, what is God asking you to do? And follow his voice above all things. Let me pray over our giving, and then we'll get into the message. Lord, thank you 
for this church. I thank you for this church body. I thank you for the future of this church. Lord, I thank you that you have plans for us. You have big things for us. Lord, I thank you that we are just getting started. And so, Lord, I pray for everyone that has given, that has sacrificed to go above and beyond to give towards this giving campaign, God's house, our home. Lord, I thank you that it does not go unnoticed. Lord, I know that when we take care of the bride of Christ, the local church, that you take notice. And so, Lord, we're just in such anticipation as we set money aside, as we get closer to reaching this goal. Lord, we just pray that you give us clear next steps on what you have for us next, what you need us to do next, and we're going to walk carefully in obedience to your every word. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said. Amen. Amen. Hey, today we're continuing in our series called The Priorities of Christmas. And so today, if you uh, came in, if you didn't get a a note-taking card, we have some in the back of the auditorium. For all the kiddos, just a reminder for the kids in the room, if you take notes on your note-taking card today, find me in the hallway afterwards and I have a a certain prize for you before you leave. The priorities of Christmas. uh, This season, the season of Christmas is often very, very busy. And uh, we're talking about how can we keep our, our priorities straight in a season of busyness? How can we do, the, do this? Because honestly, um, if we're not disciplined in keeping our priorities straight, busyness can become one of the greatest enemies of discipleship. Busyness, if you allow it, will keep you from the most important things. It'll keep you from the things of God. It'll keep you from all that God has for you. Last week, we talked about the priority of worship. And as we looked at the Christmas story, we looked at three different characters, three different groups of people who worshiped in unique ways. Today, we're gonna talk about the priority of faithfulness, the priority of faithfulness. So if you brought your Bible, you can go to Luke chapter 1. I'm going to get to that in just a second. Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to be reading today. We're going to talk about the priority of faithfulness. I think this, sometimes, though the holiday season is special, though the Christmas season is special, though it is a time of family, sometimes it can be a reminder that another year has gone by and you haven't seen the answer to your prayer yet. Anybody ever relate to that? Maybe you've, you've been going in life and it's like, man, another year has gone by. Man, we have a lot to be thankful for, but there's still that thing or those many things that we're praying for, we're believing for, but God, we haven't seen it yet. Another year, I thought we would be so much, I always thought we would have that by now, be farther ahead by now. I thought this would happen by now. And it can be a reminder that, man, another year has gone by and we haven't received that healing. We haven't had that need met. That prodigal son or that daughter that's far from God hasn't come home yet to the family of God. And Lord, how many years is it going to take for them to get here? And it feels like another year. And sometimes the end of the year, the Christmas season, it can be a time of spiritual discouragement. And the enemy will try to use the Christmas season. It should be a celebrating season as we celebrate our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He will try to use this season as a spirit of discouragement to come upon you But I want to show you today that if we remain faithful to do what God's asked us to do, God shows up in surprising ways. If we remain faithful to God's word and to do what he's asked us to do, he will show up in surprising ways. And so today we're going to look at a story that leads into the Christmas story. It's the story of Zechariah. And Elizabeth, it's the story of John the Baptist's parents and John the Baptist's birth. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at four ways to put a priority on faithfulness in this holiday season. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. Be faithful in serving. To be faithful in serving. Be faithful in serving. I'm going to read through this story found in Luke chapter 1. And as I read through this story, you're going to understand what the point means after I kind of make the point. So be faithful in serving. Let's go to Luke 1, starting in verse 5. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. 
His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So commentators, historians lead us to believe that they were even upwards into their late 80s, Zechariah, maybe even 92 around this time, late 80s, uh, early 90s. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, debate on that, but that's where uh, the majority of historians and commentators believe that's where they were. So they were well advanced in years when it comes to uh, believing for a child. And in those days, being barren, not being able to have kids was seen as a curse by God. The culture would view it like there's something wrong with you. You guys have really messed up. There's a, God has cursed you with not having kids. But scripture reveals in this passage the truth behind the situation. And it says what? They were righteous, but they were childless. They were blameless, but they were childless. And so we have to realize their barrenness was not a reflection of their spirituality. Their barrenness was not a reflection of their spirituality. Their exterior struggle was not a reflection of an interior problem. Many times the culture in this day would have thought that, well, you guys have really, you got something secretive going on. You have something bad going on. You've really messed up. God is punishing you big time. And many times I think even in our culture, we do the same thing. We, there's, a, there's a pressure of, man, what are you doing wrong to face all of these things in your life, all these struggles in your life? Now, hear me in this. Hardship doesn't always mean that you've messed up. But also hear that sometimes when we willingly, knowingly walk in sin and live in sin, it does bring devastation and it does bring hard times and it does open the door for the enemy to come into our life and to cause havoc and destruction. So it doesn't always mean that we're doing things right. But for their sake, Zachariah and Elizabeth, what was it? They were blameless. They were righteous. Why, and there's always the question, right? Why does bad things happen to, to, to good people? Uh, we live in a fallen and a broken world. And though Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous, they were blameless, they were faithful to God in everything that they did, what? They were still facing an issue. They still had battles, right? Following God is not all sunshine and rainbows. Jesus lets us know that you will have trouble in this life, but take heart, he has overcome this world, right? And so in this, what we see is that the interior and exterior problems don't necessarily equal the same thing. And so we've got to stop blaming God for stuff that the devil broke, <laughs> we got to stop blaming God. Well, why is God doing this to me? Why is God, hold on, am I doing something that's opening the door for this to happen in my life? Or do we live in a fallen world and I'm living righteous, I'm living blameless, I'm still just facing something in my life that I am working to overcome by faith. So let me encourage you with that. Hardship doesn't always mean that you've messed up. Let's continue. Luke 1, verse 8. It says, Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple to the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. Remember those two things. You will bear a son. You're to call him John, verse 17. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John's job was what? Prepare the way for Jesus. 
prepare the hearts for Jesus. Jesus is coming. He, John is not the Messiah, but he is preparing the way for them to receive the Messiah when he comes, when Jesus comes. And so here's what we have to see in this passage. It shows us a lot that even through their public humiliation of barrenness, they still chose to be a part of something bigger than themselves. They still chose to serve faithfully in belief that God would somehow use it to heal the pain on the inside of their soul. Let me say that again. Even through their public humiliation, Zechariah and Elizabeth chose to serve faithfully the house of the Lord and to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Even, even through it all, with the public pressure and the public looking down of people's noses at them, they said, we're going to stay faithful to something bigger than ourselves and believe that God will somehow use it, somehow heal it, somehow move in our situation. By faith, we're going to stay faithful in serving. And I think that's a great reminder for us that if we remain faithful and stay planted in the local church, that God can show up in our lives in a unique way. Zechariah, though, let's, let's look at this. Zechariah wasn't trying to see angels that day. That was not his motivation. He didn't go and say, I'm going to serve God today so that he'll answer my prayer. That's not his motivation. Zechariah wasn't trying to see angels. He didn't do his priestly duties so that God would show up in his specific request. He was simply being faithful in serving the Lord to do all that the Lord had asked of him. He was faithful in serving the Lord. And though this was a great honor to serve the Lord in this way, I raise this question. Could he not have been tempted to say this? Why am I still serving faithfully when God has not answered my prayer? I'm 90 years old, 92, late 80s, wherever he's at. Why am I still serving this God faithfully when he has yet to answer our biggest prayer? And at this point, what? He's coming close to the end of his life. Why? Why am I still doing this? Did he ask that question? No. No, and that reveals a lot about his heart. He could have had that attitude, but he didn't. He remained faithful in his service, and he received a word from the Lord while going about his personal responsibility of serving. And this is where it gets interesting. We read this verse last week, but I'm, I'm going to repeat it. Psalm 92, verse 13, it says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Man. They shall be fresh and flourishing. So Zechariah, what happened? He knew the importance of being planted in God's house no matter the season. Is he discouraged? Probably sometimes he was. Did he still serve? Yes. Was he joyful? Probably sometimes he was. Did he still serve? Yes. No matter the season, he knew the importance of I will be planted and I will serve faithfully no matter what I am feeling that day no matter if I'm heartbroken that day, no matter if I feel excited that day, I will serve faithfully. And if you'll remain faithful and stay planted in the local church, in the house of God, God will meet you in seemingly ordinary places. Seemingly ordinary places. I told our kids team this when we had our pre-service meeting. I just said, look, you may be serving in kids today and it seems like an ordinary thing to you. I'm just going to hold babies and I'm going to, you know, care for the ones that are crying because they're missing their mom. And I'm going to help this one color. And it seems ordinary to you, but I promise you, I said, it's sacred to God. And for some of you, you may say, yeah, I'm just giving, you know, I'm giving my tithe. That's what I've always done. Tithing may seem ordinary to you, but I promise you it's sacred to God. Some of you say, well, I'm just holding the door open. You know, I'm just making some coffee. I show up a little bit early. It may seem ordinary to you, but if it's done faithfully in service to God, it is a sacred thing to God. 
Some of you say, well, I'm just vacuuming. I'm just, you know, cleaning toilets when we're done. I'm just wiping things down. I'm just sanitizing some toys. It may seem ordinary to you, but it's a sacred thing to God when you do it for his house. Amen. It is a sacred thing. And so if we stay faithful in service, God will meet us in ordinary places. He was faithful. It was a great honor to do what he was doing that day, but he was just doing it because he was faithful to the Lord and God showed up. Point number two is this, be faithful in receiving. You'll see this as we continue in our stories to be faithful in receiving. So he's faithful in serving. So God, God, he opens the door for God to meet him in an ordinary place, in a natural place, but God to do it in a very unique way. But be faithful in receiving, specifically be faithful in receiving a word from the Lord. So let's go. Luke 1, we're going to go to verse 18. It says, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. Notice how he calls himself old, but not his wife. Come on, somebody, right? <laughs> I'm an old man. She's, she's got wisdom years. You know what I'm saying? Like she's well along. Anyway, uh, you got to find humor in the Bible. It's all over the place. Verse 19, the, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. They will come true at the appointed time. So what does he say? How, how can I be sure? And the angel's response is, who are you to question God? I, I am God's messenger. Like, who are you? When God speaks, receive. Receive it by, you don't have to understand it all. You don't have to have every question answered. But we blame, we think of Zechariah and we're just like, bro, yeah, just receive it. What's the big deal? But we do the same thing. We do the exact same thing. God, I know you're asking me to take a step of faith, but how can I be sure I won't fail? God, I know that you're asking me to, you know, to, to walk this thing out, to walk this opportunity out, to walk this relationship out, but how can I be sure it's you and not just something I'm thinking up myself? How can I be sure? God, I know your word says to trust you with our finances and to tithe, but how can I be sure that all my bills are going to be made, paid? How can I be sure? How can I be sure? We ask this all the time. How can I be sure? I'll say this about Zechariah. It isn't that Zechariah doesn't want to believe. I think he does. I think he wants to believe the angel. I think it's simply that he feels it must be too good to be true, and he's probably protecting himself from disappointment by not setting his expectations too high. He wants to believe. (sighs) That sounds amazing. We've been believing for a son forever, a child forever. That sounds amazing. But I think he's protecting himself. Because his whole life, when it comes to this prayer request, all he's ever experienced is disappointment. Every month, every year, disappointment didn't happen. Didn't happen again. Didn't happen again. And so here he is, disappointment after disappointment. Finally, there seems like there's some hope, but he has been burned so many times by disappointment that he doesn't doesn't want to get his hopes up to say, ah, that that might be able to happen because he knows the pain of disappointment. And I think sometimes we rob ourselves of many miracles by having the same attitude. And I'm not here to put you down today. I'm here to lift your head up today and ask you this question. Have you stopped praying because you didn't want to face disappointment again? What's that thing in your life that you haven't seen? What's that that situation, that family member who hasn't come home yet? Have you stopped praying as fervently, as passionately, as with as much fire in your belly for it, believing by faith that something can change? Have you stopped 
because you don't want to face disappointment again. And my prayer for you is this, not to knock you over the head, it's to say, pray again. Keep praying, keep believing, keep trusting, and keep moving forward. Keep being faithful in receiving the word of the Lord. Here's what's interesting is that Zechariah's unbelief, it didn't make God take the promise back. It didn't make God take the promise back. What it did is it kept Zechariah from enjoying it. Let me say it like this. When Zechariah received and he said, how can I be sure? What was he doing? He was expressing unbelief. Ah, it sounds too good to be true. God didn't say, oh, you don't have any faith? Nope. Guess you're not going to get this. That's not what God did. God limited, though, Zechariah's ability to enjoy the season and the good news that he just received. He closed his mouth. He made him mute. And so when we don't believe God's promises for our lives, we don't necessarily destroy the promise. That's not what happens always. But we do destroy the ability to enjoy the promise coming in the process. We miss out on the opportunity to enjoy the process of it coming to fruition. And maybe we take a hint from Zechariah today and we say, stop asking questions. Amen, somebody. Stop asking questions. Stop asking questions. Just be faithful to receive the word of the Lord. Here's what I say why I say that. The question, why? Why is this happening? Why is it taking so long? Why hasn't it worked out yet? And the question, how? How is God going to do it? How is this going to work out? How is that going to take place? Those two questions will kill your faith. Why and how will kill your faith? Why? Because you're focusing on the wrong thing. You're focusing on what God's going to do. You're not focused on God. What is God going to do? Why is not God not doing it? Rather than, Lord, I trust you. I'm going to serve you faithfully. I don't have all the answers, but you do. I'm going to stay focused on you, and I'm going to continue to move forward. Those things will kill your faith if you focus on those things. So when you receive an unbelief instead of faith, it will kill your ability to speak life into the next season. When you receive an unbelief, it kills your ability to speak life into the next season. I, I'm receiving it, but I don't have the words to have hope for tomorrow. But when I receive by faith, it changes the way that I speak. And so what will happen? It says that you'll be silent. He told, he told Zechariah, you're going to be silent until John is born because unbelief has perverted your mouth. Unbelief has perverted your mouth. Which leads us to point number three is this, be faithful in speaking. Be faithful in speaking. So be faithful in receiving. I can receive the word of the Lord with hope in my heart, with faith in my heart, believing that, yeah, if God said it, he can do it. If God said it, he can do it. Is that where my initial response is? Or is it, man, that's just too good to be true. And I've been believing for 10 years or 20 years and that hasn't happened yet. And so I just don't know if it can. Stop. Stop with the questions and just say, Lord, if you said it, I believe it. I'm going to try to be as faithful as I can, even through heartbreak, even through disappointment sometimes. I'm going to try to be as faithful as I can to receive by faith and to guard my mouth and be faithful in speaking. Many times we hear the phrase that if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? Parents, you probably know this more than anybody. Hey, if you don't have anything nice to say, just keep your mouth shut, right? I think another way of saying it in the spiritual realm is, look, if you don't have anything faith-filled to say, don't say anything at all. If you don't have anything faith-filled to say, just don't say anything at all. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so here's what happens. God can will life in your situation. And then you come in and speak death and cause setbacks and destruction and all kinds of chaos. Can I say that again? God can will life life for your situation, but you come in and speak death 
and open the door for setbacks and destruction and chaos in your life. Why? This is what we see in, in Zechariah. <laughs> his initial response back, how can I be sure? God saw his heart because Mary, the mother of Jesus, asked a very similar question, but her heart was in faith. Her heart was in faith. How can I? I haven't even been with a man. She had faith, though, in her heart. God could see the heart of Zechariah No, If I allow this man to continue to talk and to continue to speak, though he is faithful and blameless, blameless, he is prone to speak death and unbelief. So let's continue. Luke 1, verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but he remained unable to speak. Think about this. Zechariah just received the best news of his life. The best news of his life. A message from God, an angel, literally right there. The best news of his life. But his unbelief robbed him of the ability to declare it to others. What's the first thing you want to do when you get good news? Tell somebody, right? You want to tell your spouse. You want to tell your friend. You want to tell those people that have been praying for you. Like, hey, we finally got that promotion. We finally are are pregnant after all these years of trying. We finally got that house that we've been believing for. Like, you want to tell somebody. But what happens? His unbelief closes his mouth so he can't even declare the hope of what's going to happen, the excitement of what's going to happen. It robbed him of his ability. We're called to be Christ-like as followers of Jesus. And here's, we serve a God who is faithful in his speaking. And he speaks in a unique way when it comes to faith. He speaks in a unique way. Romans 4, 17 says, God, who gives life to the dead, and he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. He calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Let me tell you something. That's foolishness to the world. And that's foolishness to lukewarm Christians who don't understand the character of God. And I'm not saying you get into an extreme name it and claim it type of uh, strange ditch, but I am saying that scripture shows us time and time again, life, is, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whenever uh, the Holy Spirit comes in the New Testament church, what is the first thing the Holy Spirit touches with the New Testament church to launch and to turn the world upside down? Their mouth begin speaking, prophesying, speaking in tongues, prophesying, declaring the good news. Why? Because the mouth is very important. James tells us that if you want to burn your life down, just speak garbage. But if you want to steer your life to right, it can work like a rudder that steers your, 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 the boat of your life into life and life abundantly if you will guard your mouth. So be faithful in speaking. Sometimes you have to have the faith to call things that do not exist as though they did. So here's what faith does. Faith looks at nothing and declares that something is stirring. Faith looks at nothing and says, that no, God can do something here. I don't know how, but I know God can do something. Here's what unbelief does. Unbelief does the opposite. It looks at something God's doing and it declares that it's nothing. It looks at something God's doing and it declares that nothing's happening. Yeah, well, I've been, you know, I'm, this person is a clean and they're sober from alcohol or from drugs, whatever it is. And then unbelief comes in and says, well, we'll just see how long it really lasts. At some point, there's probably going to be some type of a setback. That's unbelief. Uh, faith says, well, we believe that we're going to, our kids are going to come back home into the family of God someday. They've been far and it's been, it's been a long time, but we're believing they're coming home to the family of God. And unbelief says, yeah, but it's been years. And if they haven't made their choice now, then what's going to happen? Like what's really going to change their mind to come home to Jesus? 
No. Faith declares, even if nothing is happening in the natural, declares that something can happen because God is all-powerful. Unbelief looks at something God's doing in a special way, in a unique way, in a life-changing way, and it says, I just don't know how that's possible. Be faithful in speaking, and sometimes you're going to have to act and be Christ-like to call things that do not exist as though they did. Lastly is be faithful in obeying, as I wrap up. Be faithful in obeying. Be faithful in obeying. So we're just going to continue on in this story. And as we see the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, there's a lot we can take from it. And oftentimes we overlook this story, but there's so many life lessons here. And I say life lessons, I mean principles of God, how God works and how God moves in our lives. The principles are there. And so we can look and we can see if we put a priority on faithfulness, God can meet us in, in what we say the ordinary places. God can meet us in unique ways. But what does it take? It takes a, a people, a person who says, I will be faithful to the Lord no matter what. Is life good? I'm gonna be faithful. Man, is life tough right now? I'm gonna be faithful. It, do I have all my, my prayers answered right now? I'm gonna be faithful. Do I, am I struggling because I just don't know why it's taking so long? I'm gonna be faithful. And the faithfulness of God's people, and he helps us be faithful through the power of his Holy Spirit. It allows us to walk with God in a way where he can minister to us when we least expect it. Let's continue. Luke 1, verse 24. It says, after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and had taken away my disgrace among the people. Whew. Here's what we have to understand about obedience. It says, after this, after this, every word from God requires work from you. Let me say that again. Every word from God requires work from you. Why? It's partnership. God is looking for partners to walk together. Here's what I mean. Here's what we see. After this, we got kids in the room, so I'm not going to get into all of the details of this, but John the Baptist wasn't a virgin birth. Zechariah and Elizabeth are in their late 80s. They're in their late 80s, early 90s. Yet they still had a part to play in order to bring John the Baptist into this life. Again, I don't want to be inappropriate, but I want to tell you, I don't know because I'm not 80 years old, but by that point, it probably takes a little bit of faith um, to to do what God's asking you to do. <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. We can't, we can't afford, <laughs> sorry. We can't afford to be passively idle when we are needing God to move in our lives. You can't afford to be static. You can't afford to be idle when, when you're needing God to move. You need to ask the question, Holy Spirit, what's my part? What's my part? Because he's going to show you there, there's an action step. There's always an action step. What can I do? Maybe, what do I need to stop doing? What do I need to stop listening to? What do I need to stop or distance myself from a certain friend or a relationship? Or what do I need to stop doing? That might be it. What's my part? Lord, show me. Show me what I need to do and give me the boldness to do it because I can't do it on my own. There's always a part to play because God wants to partner with you. He doesn't want to be your magic genie or your vending machine. He wants to walk with you. Let's go with Luke 1, verse 57. We're going to skip to the end of the story now. Luke 1, 57. 
when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. And on the eighth day, when they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah, but his mother spoke up and she said, no, he is to be called John. And they said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. For in that time, it was tradition that they would take a family name or the father's name. Let's go to verse 62. It says, and they made signs to his father, Zechariah, to find out what he would like to name the child. And he asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. His name is John. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue set free and he began to speak praising God. This is incredible. So Zachariah responded in total faith. He responded in total faith, faithfully obeying the word of the Lord. What was the word of the Lord? It was two things we looked at earlier. You will have a son, you were to call him John. That's complete obedience. See, when they had a son, his mouth was not opened. The first eight days of John's life, Zachariah, his father, could not speak. And we often overlook that. Why? That's not, com that's not total obedience. That's not complete obedience. That's partial obedience. That's part of the word that we received. But when he said, no, his name is John. Boom, immediately his mouth is open, his tongue is loosed, and guess what? Now he can praise God, complete obedience. And here's what Zachariah said. He didn't say, well, I think his name should be John and write that out. No, he didn't say, well, I know it sounds crazy and this sounds crazy, but his name's supposed to be John. He didn't say that. What was his response? Complete faith and confidence and obedience to say his name is John. That's faithful obedience to the end, not partial to the end. No, for Zechariah, this was a recognition of a fact, not a suggestion. I'm not suggesting his name to be John. His name is John because God told me so. And as soon as Zechariah comes into agreement with the word of the Lord that was spoken, then his tongue is loosed and he begins praising God. His immediate reaction to his ability to speak reveals the condition of his heart. And hear me in this, this is really, really important when it comes to waiting on the Lord. His immediate reaction to being able to speak reveals the condition of his heart. He did not allow time to make him bitter towards God. He did not allow time to make him bitter towards God. Well, God made me wait 90 years before we got pregnant and then God made me wait another nine months and then eight days until I was able to speak. Now what's going on? God's always making me wait. He didn't get bitter. He didn't allow time to make him bitter. Instead, he was ready to praise God when the miracle took place. He was ready. He was ready to go. He was ready to praise God, to glorify God. And even though he had failed before with his faith and he received an unbelief, even though he failed before, God gave Zachariah a second chance at faith. What's his name, Zechariah? You better believe the Holy Spirit's listening in that moment. Do you believe me still? What's his name, Zechariah? His name's John. Immediately his tongue is loosed and he praises God. What if he doesn't name him John? Because of pressure from the people around him, from pressure from the culture. What if he doesn't walk in obedience to do all that God has graced him to do? Does Zechariah ever speak again? We may never know, but I would say probably not. Partial obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. Every parent knows that. But he was faithful to say, 
His name is John. And he didn't let time affect his heart to keep him from glorifying God. And if we'll be faithful to continue to walk in obedience to God's word and watch how the miraculous will begin to unfold in our lives. There is reward in the discipleship and the discipline of faithfulness. There's reward in it. Don't let this Christmas season be bring a, a spirit of discouragement into your home because you're still waiting for something to be, happen or something to take place. And you may say, Pastor Dan, you don't know. You don't know what we're going through. You don't know what this year has held. You don't know what we've been praying for. You don't know how many decades we've been praying, what we've been believing for. And you're right, I don't know every detail. But I'll tell you this, you're not alone. You're not alone. You may have been praying for a long time about something, you're not alone. Don't let the enemy tell you that you're isolated and that no one else is going through what you're going through. It may be a little different, but you're not alone. That's why you have a church family to let you know, look, I've been there and God's faithful. Or look, I'm going through it too, but I know God's faithful. And when we walk together, we have strength in numbers. And I know it's tough. And I know some days are harder than the others. I know sometimes it's, it feels like it's tough to even get out of bed because you feel so discouraged and it might be so heavy on you. But I promise you this, faithfulness and serving God, no matter the season of how you feel, will bring breakthrough. And I can't tell you it'll be today or tomorrow or another year, I don't know. And I know you may say, I've cried so many tears, I don't even know, <laughs> I don't even know. But we serve the God who does. We serve the God who does know. He's seen every tear that you've cried. He's numbered every tear that you've cried. And he understands. But when we say, Lord, I'm gonna be faithful still, like Zachariah and like Elizabeth, and we, they say, look, we're coming to the end of our life. I got every excuse not to follow this living God anymore because he doesn't answer prayer. They stay faithful. And we can learn from those principles and the priorities of being faithful. Be faithful in serving. It may seem ordinary to you, but it's sacred to God. Be faithful in receiving. Don't let the fear of disappointment keep you from receiving God's word. Be faithful in speaking. Guard your mouth. If you don't have anything faith-filled to say, just don't say anything at all. Be faithful in obeying. Every word from God requires work from you. What's your part? Lord, show me what my part is so I can see and experience the goodness that you have for me. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is a lamp to us. It guides us, it directs us. It's a light to our path. And Lord, I pray for everyone in here, Lord, who may have been fighting a spirit of discouragement this Christmas season. I pray, Lord, as we prayed in, in, in worship, that you would lift up their head, you would give them hope. Encourage them, remind them of your truth. And Lord, I just pray that Holy Spirit, by the power of your Holy Spirit, our helper, that you would give us the ability to remain faithful no matter what we're facing. Remain faithful in the simple things, faithful to obey, faithful to speak by faith, to receive Lord, all that you have for us. Help us be faithful people because Lord, we want to experience your goodness in the land of the living and we will be quick to praise your name, to give you glory and say, look what God has done and he is, is continuing to do 
Look how good our God is, the living God, the true God. We will give you glory. And we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.